Without them, you would not hear a thing or see a thing. So we're really thankful for them. But what we're going to do, guys, uh, as we get started today, that sounds better. As we get started today is, um, first off, Mike with Cole, I'm an associate pastor. We start along with lead pastor, Ronald Fisher. He's the one who preaches 90% of the time. He is not here today because we've had it on our heart as a church uh, for several years now to uh, follow leads that we have in Luxembourg and serve our church in Paris as well and plant churches. So Pastor Ron, along with uh, our campus missionary, Sarah Baker, and then one of our other senior interns, Gabe Price, are over there in uh, Luxembourg sharing the good news of Jesus in preparation for that church plant. So we're going to pray for them. Uh, but then also... going okay uh, but also because we live in an age where anything that happens around the world instantly everybody knows about we know about uh, the broken hearts and the sadness in Texas um, since the uh, mass shooting that happened there so we're going to take a moment and we're going to lift up uh, those families and pray for that uh, and then lastly in our prayer time before we get started you guys know that tomorrow is Memorial Day you got the day off well, we're going to thank God for, uh, for those people. Exodus twelve fourteen says, This day shall be for you a memorial day, actually talking about the Passover, which we're in Exodus right now. And so that's why uh, the, the, the Jewish people and Christians celebrate Passover slash uh, communion. And it says, This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations as a statue forever, you shall keep it. As a feast. So, we're also going to remember what Christ has done for us as well, laying down his life for our freedom. So, can you pray with me for a moment? All right, let's pray. Yeah, well, Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, in the name of Jesus, which we, we now know because of your sacrifice at the cross that makes us clean, that you hear us. You have a throne of grace, and we thank you for that grace that is so costly, Lord. Forgive us where we have trampled it at times and not taking it. Uh, seriously, in meaning not even called to you uh, for help. And so, God, we just mourn with those in Texas that are now uh, devastated, God. What the enemy has meant for evil to shake up uh, their lives, to bring despair. God, we ask that you would be the God of all comfort to them right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, that they would know what the enemy has meant for evil to destroy, that in your goodness... And in your uh, inscrutable ways, in your, your uh, eternal wisdom, that you are going to use this to bring about so much good, Lord. But we do pray that you comfort them uh, right now. And we do ask that you would prevent this from happening in the future, God. God, we ask that your gospel would change hearts. Or even if uh, there were tons of opportunity to do this, that it would not be done because the hearts have been changed, oh Lord. And, uh, and God, we pray for uh, Pastor Rollin, we pray for Sarah, and we pray for Gabe and the others who are there uh, sharing the good news of forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus Christ in Luxembourg. We thank you for protecting them. God, we ask that your word would take root in every heart that it has gone out to and that it would produce eternal life, Lord. And we pray for the missionaries that have been there for years now, that you would encourage them, Lord, that they would not grow weary in well-doing. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people have said, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to continue on with it? Okay. Wonderful. Well, if it's not bothering you guys, it's not going to bother me. 
Uh, if you've been with us for six weeks now, we've been going through the Exodus Chronicles, and we find ourselves at part six. And the title today for us to focus on is Trusting God at the Red Sea. Trusting God at the Red Sea. And we're going to jump into Exodus um, chapter 14. Uh, but before we, we get into Exodus 14, all right, let's set the timer. You know, guys, I set this timer every week that I get to preach, and I always go, like, way over. And that is, like, the one thing. So if it's been, like, 25 minutes, will somebody just, like, yell at me? Because it's, it's literally a timer in front of me, and I still pay it no attention. It's on here. So somebody just go, 25, or something. That'll, like, shake me out and be like, okay, wrap it. Wrap it up. Okay, so to bring a little context to what we have gone through so far, we've seen how God has fulfilled a promise that he made 430 years ago. Everybody say 430 years. We have no context for that, and you never will, right? Because you, you have not lived that long, and you're not going to live that long in this body as we now know it, okay? So he made a promise 430 years ago to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he was going to bring his people out of slavery in Egypt. He even prophesied that they would go to Egypt and that they would be slaves, right? So that they would not give way to their fear and give way to uh, hopelessness while they were there. And what we just... Uh, what we're seeing now is the fulfillment of that promise 430 years later. God makes promises, so he's the promise maker, but he's also the promise keeper. And we cannot let time be the thing that makes us hopeless. Okay, so what we're seeing is the blood of the lamb was painted over the doorframe already, right? That is signifying the blood of the Lord Jesus that was shed on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for you and for me and for all who would have faith. And at the same time, those who are not covered in the blood, the firstborn of all the Egyptians or, or those who were just not covered under the blood, guess what happened? They perished, right? And that's what's going to happen to us if we're not covered under the blood. The person who is born twice dies once. The person who's born twice dies once, and the person who's born once dies twice, right? We must be born again. We must be covered in the blood and filled with the Spirit to enter into eternal life in Jesus Christ. So we've seen that happen. God has done that. All right, so by strong hand, Pharaoh has said, get out of here, go. But all the Egyptians, the normal common day people, they were afraid, and actually the Israelites had favor with them. So we saw the Passover, that's the first P, and then we saw the plunder. Because how many of you know, when Satan puts you through something, God brings you out, but he brings you out with plunder. Do you know what plunder is? It's the spoils of war, right? You come out better than you were in it. He doesn't waste anything. Can I get an amen, please? Amen. You can type it in the box, too. Amen. All right. And then what we see now is an entire nation inside of a nation, the nation of Israel, which, to give you context, 600,000 men plus, everybody say plus, women plus children, and then what Scripture says in uh, Exodus 12, 37 through 38, a mixed multitude. Do you know that God didn't just bring out the, quote, chosen people who had the promises, but all those who actually had faith in what God had said to the chosen people and said, I, I want to be a part of that. I want to come out of slavery as well. So it says that in, um, uh, in the uh, Reformation Study Bible, puts it this way, about the mixed multitude, it says, perhaps these were persecuted minorities or other slaves that came out with them as well as other Semites. 
Also, Egyptians who had intermarried with the Hebrews and even God-fearing Egyptians were doubtless also included in this exodus. Can you say amen? Amen. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. It doesn't matter what your background is or whether you think the promises are for you. All of the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So if you've come to faith in Jesus, all of God's promises for deliverance belong to who? You. Those that are covered in the blood of Jesus. All right. So the other crazy thing is not only was it 430 years, it was 430 years to the day. Cole did not make that up. The scripture specifically says 430 years to the day. God is not just never late. He's perfectly on time. He's perfectly on punctual. When we think he's late or we think he's too early, no, 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 no. He's doing more than we can imagine with the heavenly wisdom that he has. Okay, part six. Um, uh, Part six, which is our title, is Trusting God at the Red Sea. Okay, our focus for this section of Scripture in chapter 14, if you want to write it down, this is the, the, the filter which everything we're going to look at and read goes through, is that God's path of deliverance is designed to strengthen your faith while bringing about permanent victories in your life. Read it one more time since it's the focus point. God's path of deliverance is designed to strengthen your faith while bringing about permanent victories in your life. Have you ever fought a battle more than once? Yeah? Man, that'll wear you out, won't it? You're like, why am I doing this again? Well, I want to encourage you that there is permanent victories that God has for your life, and that's what we're going to look at today. So while we're looking at this, don't grow weary in well-doing, okay? Don't grow hopeless. Don't grow faithless because there is a permanent victory that God is putting together in his to-the-day perfect timing for you. Amen? Amen. Okay, do we have the map? Were we able to get it up? Awesome. Can you show it now? Okay, we're going to put this up there while we... Oh, actually, you can't show the scripture and the map at the same time, can you? Oh, you can? No. Okay. All right. All right, well, we're going to read the scripture, and then we'll look at the map. Sorry, guys, I don't know that how the technical sides work. All right, the reading of the word of God, you can look at it with me if you want to. Exodus 14, 1 through 4, which says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Sephaniah. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and his host, which means armies, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so, meaning that the people of Israel obeyed the word of the Lord to turn back and encamp. Now we can look at the map. All right, when I first read this, even in my own personal life, I immediately got ridden with anxiety because can you imagine you've made all this progress, you've been covered in the blood, God 
you know, set you free by a strong hand from the Egyptians, even though they're not dead yet, so they're still there. There may be battles to come. And you're like, all right, we're on the run. We're making progress. We're getting into this new life, and things are going great. And you get a word from the Lord that says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp. Anybody else get anxious about that? Just me? Like, Lord, why would you say that? That's not you, Lord. That's the devil. I ain't going, I ain't going back. I ain't waiting. I'm going to keep making progress, baby. I'm running to the promised land all the way. Thank you, Lord. You gave, me, you gave me plunder. I got my gold from the plunder. I got my unleavened bread now that we baked because we had to run out so fast. We got food and money. I am out of here, right? Are you willing to hear the Lord say, turn back and encamp? So we're going to look at the map real quick. So we got... This, this is the Middle East, right? You got the Mediterranean Sea, this is Egypt, and this is the Red Sea right here. I don't, I don't know if you can see the dotted lines that are in red, but these are the possible routes of the Exodus. And God previously had said, I'm not going to take you the way of the land of the Philistines. You see, this is like along the coast. That is the most direct path up to the land that was promised. But God said, if you go that way, it's going to be too intense, and you're going to give up. So I'm not going to take you that way. Okay, God. All right. So he tells them specifically, I want you to go to uh, Migdal by the sea, which none of the scholars are exact in any of my readings anyway on where this is at. But the point is that he said, I want you to go to a place where you are actually going to feel vulnerable. Your faith by obeying me is going to make you feel vulnerable and exposed, but I'm going to do something. And do you know at this time... Well, let me read the notes because we're already at the 15-minute mark. The road to freedom may seem inefficient. It is actually God's master plan to bring about a complete victory in your life. It may seem inefficient, but it's actually his master plan to bring about a complete victory. Okay, I'm just going to do some reading now because I promised Roland I would read more. I have a southern accent. The faster I talk, the less you understand. (laughs) The Lord said, turn back and encamp. Progress in God can feel slow and inefficient, but don't sweep your sin or your fears under the rug when you hear God say, wait. God wants to confront everything in your life, which in context, this turning back and waiting because God's doing something, right? Not moving too fast is him wanting to deal with things that you may or may not be aware about in your life. Okay, God wants to confront everything that kills, steals, and destroys your life of faith in him, which is what the devil wants for your life. Hopefully you know that if you're here today. Jesus came to give you life and give you life abundantly. The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. And destroy your life of faith in him, including what you cannot see, your heart postures, he will deal with them, and mentalities that may have persisted for generations. And throughout godless cultural norms you have been raised in. God doesn't just want you to be able to do whatever you want to do when you want to do it. That is not freedom in God. Because then you're a slave to yourself. And trust me, being a slave to anything other than God is not going to go well. He wants you free and he wants you to really be free. All right, we've harped on that enough. Let's go to the next thing. It says, the Lord said... Take your stand by the sea. By the sea. How many boats did they bring with them? Zero. 
No boats. Nothing. Not any blow-up rafts either that they had rolled up in their bag. Right? We just bought some camping gear. I'm really excited. <laughs> yes, we don't have a raft in there, but we got a lot of stuff that folds up, and it's just fun thinking you can carry all those tools you need. But they didn't have none of that. And he said, camp by the sea. Let me remind you, people of God, even though all these plagues had happened and God said, I'm going to do this, and then it happened, at this point where he said, I want you to go and turn back and camp by the sea in that place of vulnerability, he had told them nothing about splitting the Red Sea. Nothing. They did not understand. <laughs> I wrote, where are the emergency exits? Because that's what I would be saying. I'm like, God, where are the emergency exits? Where are the boats? You cannot be putting me in this situation. It must be the enemy leading me here. But by design, God allows and even directs his people into circumstances that are vulnerable. God would do that. That feel unsafe or maybe actually are unsafe without God's protection around you. He may call you to a place, a workplace, a home, a neighborhood, a country, that legitimately is unsafe for you to be there. But would he still call you there? Would a good God that loves you do that? Yep, he would, and he does. He does do that. That does not make sense without supernatural intervention. This is unto the purpose of revealing where our hope is so that it can then be placed in him alone. Everybody say Christ alone. alone. If God is for you, you guys are finishing in your heads right now, who can be against you? Nobody. Nobody. And we're going to see how important that is. All right, now we're going to move on to the part of Scripture where it says, Pharaoh will say, they are wandering the wilderness has shut them in. Okay, God's plans may not make sense to you, and you may feel like bait <laughs> to the enemy, right? You know how you like set a trap, you put bait in it. Well, guess what? Sometimes Christians, right? He's, Jesus said there would be persecution, right? We are bait so that the enemy can be exposed and dealt with, that a final victory may come around. That is true. It is a hard truth. And if you want to stop following Jesus, he said it, not me. Okay? It's a hard truth, but it's a truth. But don't get discouraged. There's more to come. To the, uh, Israel became the Lord's bait to bring justice upon Pharaoh. To the eyes of the faithless, your path to God's freedom in Christ will seem foolish with pointless pain and suffering. So those who have no eternal hope of a resurrected life in God's kingdom with him, your path will seem pointless. It will seem foolish. The pain and suffering will be for nothing to them, and you will seem like you are wandering. Anybody here ever done something Jesus told you to do, and people were like, that's dumb? Yep. Well, guess what? You're on the right path. Good job. They are going to say that. When God's people humble themselves and become, quote, fools for Christ, it makes room for God to get glory over that and those which are opposed to him. You are part of bringing God's redemption in Christ Jesus through taking up your cross daily and following him so that the world may know him 
but there will be people who choose to not know him along the way. We pray that all will come to a saving faith and knowledge of Jesus because that's why he came and that's what we want, right? But the truth is, he will use you to not only bring that redemption, but also to expose darkness as well and things that need to be dealt with in their lives. I love 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20. It says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he, meaning God, catches the wise. He catches them in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, meaning the wise in this age, that they are futile. Right? Pharaoh, meaning Satan, the enemies of God, the people of God. It will look as if the people who are following Jesus are actually wandering and lost and they don't know what they're doing. And then the last part of that section, chapter 4, says, and they did so, meaning they did turn back, they did encamp at that place that was vulnerable, right, where they couldn't go the way of the Philistines because of the military outpost of the Philistines. They had the sea on one side, uh, and then they had the Red Sea as well. There were no escape exits, and they did so. They did it anyway. When we recognize the narrow path of God's choosing for us, it is so that our freedom may be complete. I'm sorry, when we recognize the narrow path of God's choosing, it is so that our freedom may be complete and we will trust and obey God quickly and fully. Has anybody ever despised, or maybe before you were a Christian, or if you're not a Christian and you're here today, and you hear the message of the gospel that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, nobody can come to the Father except through me. That's a narrow path, right? Well, what we see with the Israelites is God made a narrow path as well. But we're about to see what happened on that narrow path, right? Anybody like Star Wars? You! Anybody like the original Star Wars? A New Hope? Oh, yeah. All right. We don't have the photo for this one up here. But you guys remember Luke Skywalker coming in and his TIE fighter, the Death Star about to destroy a whole planet? And where does he go into in order to bring a final destruction? Into that narrow path, that canal with all the guns blazing, and he had his teammates fighting around. But why did he have to do that? He had to go into that narrow ravine to get to the heart of the matter so that the final death blow could be executed. Thank you. <laughs> I'm more excited than anybody about Star Wars. What's that? X-Wing, not TIE Fighter. The TIE Fighters are trying to destroy them. I'm sorry. That's the chariots of Pharaoh. My bad. Sorry. Thank you, Ben. Good year. Oh, thank, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Question for us. When God's path for your freedom in Christ seems foolish and or slow, will you trust him? Will you trust him? You're going through stuff right now. I know you are. If your heart's beating, you're going through stuff and you got choices to make. Okay. Point number two, when the battle intensifies, Exodus 14, 5 through 12, let's read it. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants changed toward the people, and they said, what is this we have done? It's like negative repentance. No, you let them go. Like, 
you've already suffered so much harm, but now you're changing your mind again? It ain't going to get better, man. It's only going to get worse. What have we done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots. That's like special forces, you know, like Green Berets, Navy SEALs, special forces, right? His chosen chariots, 600 of them uh, with him and all the other chariots of Egypt, so all the non-special forces, with officers, so the smartest, the most intelligent, the highest trained, with him. Uh, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel with the people. He and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. You're gonna have, sometimes you got to go out defiantly because guess what? Satan does not want to let you go from the things that he's trying to keep you in your idolatry, serving God replacements in your life, in your sin patterns. Satan does not want to let you go. And guess what? It's not just Satan. It's your flesh as well that you're in. Your flesh has habits that it's become accustomed to, and you've got to defy it. Sometimes you've got to crucify it, the scripture says. So they came out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pi-Hahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, they thought they were free. The Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. So not only did they cry out to the Lord, but they said to Moses, the one representing the Lord, they said, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Snippy. Fear will make you snippy with people that are trying to help you. Right? <laughs> that we would die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? You guys see Moses now just throwing up hands going, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just the Lord's servant. It wasn't me. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? What we hear there is, I told you so. I told you it was going to be like this. You thought you were wise that you heard the Lord's voice. You did not hear the Lord's voice. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Oh, and this breaks my heart. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. That's hopelessness right there. Just leave us in our idolatry. At least it'll be easy idolatry with slaves. But freedom's not worth it. Being with Christ in a place where we can worship freely is not worth it. Okay, more reading. When the battle intensifies around God's people, they can be assured of a final victory. Okay, when things get harder, that means there's a greater deliverance coming. When Pharaoh says, what is this we have done? God's enemies will bring about their own destruction through an increase of rebellion and intensified fighting. This is the fulfillment of verse 4 where God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, which prepares God's people for the hot pursuit that is coming next and gives them faith that God will also fulfill the end of verse 4, which says, I will get glory over Pharaoh and all. Everybody say all. Remember it started name off? Chosen chariots, chariots, officers, all the people, all the army. He will get victory over all. When the battle intensifies, it's because there's a more complete victory that is on the way in your life. The hard heart and the increased warfare are actually proofs that God will deliver his people and you completely. The rebellious heart is steeped in pride and arrogance, resulting in extreme folly. 
extreme folly. It doesn't even make sense. The point here is that, yes, there were a lot of people, but these were all slaves that had nothing except what they plundered. And he's sending out the world's superpower. Not even just the special forces. Like, it's folly. Fear will make you do foolish things. So whenever God gives you that revelation of, whoa, 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 you're putting too much into this. You need to back it up and encamp for a moment. And you need to see, like, wait a minute. Is this God that has told me to do this? Or, or, or something else? Pharaoh unleashed their full arsenal, chosen chariots, officers, army, or runaway slaves, as if they were fighting a militarized nation. This also is the Lord's doing, as he sought to completely set Israel free by drawing out all of the enemy's resources for destruction. God has at the cross and will continue to make the enemy of our lives toothless, disarming him. That's what the scripture says at the cross. He disarmed him. And that's what God is planning right here. Now, how does the, one, how does the Lord use one's own heart to bring about his justice and deliverance? A good example is Stephen Seagal. Do we have the video? All right. When I say stop, we just stop it because it's longer than it should be. Okay, thanks. Oh, hold on. Let me give a preface real quick. Anybody heard of Aikido? Aikido, the martial art form? Okay, let me just read it real quick then. Defied in Wikipedia, this is Aikido, the martial art, the way of combining forces or of unifying energy, in which the term Aiki refers to the martial arts principle or tactic of blending with an attacker's movements for the purpose of controlling their actions with minimal effort. One applies uh, Aiki by understanding the rhythm and intent of the attacker to find the optimal position and timing to apply a counter technique. Why am I comparing what God is doing by hardening Pharaoh's heart and uh, sending him out there after them to Aikido? Well, essentially, God uses their own intense folly to bring about their destruction because a hard heart is incapable of repentance. And here we will watch a little demonstration so you have it seared in your mind when you feel like the enemy is attacking you. ご存知の方も多いと思います。ご紹介するまでもございませんが、シガウさんは1952年生まれの今年43歳です。to just make fools of them, right? Because who understands the heart better than God? Nobody. He knows the thoughts and the heart motivation and intentions of every man. And if we are intent on destruction and rebellion, it will lead to our and the enemy's demise. But now we have something more fun. Can we show the next picture? Dory. Dory, this is more the generation that's here now, right? <laughs> Dory. And they feared greatly. God's greatest victories in our lives can also be accomplished by our greatest fears, despite God showing himself that to us, Beside, despite God showing himself faithful to us in the past, we are all like Dory. 
of finding Nemo. When it comes to God's faithfulness, I know I'm guilty of this, we need him to introduce himself to us again and again and again. How many plagues? Ten. Okay, got to split the Red Sea. Okay, great. Got to give me man in the desert. Thank you. Got to send me uh, birds to feed me as well. Thank you. We are Dory. We are Dory. Okay, you got to hide God's word in your heart. And if you're not journaling, you need to journal. You need to write down God's faithfulness in your own personal life. So just a tip there, practical how to walk with Jesus. It is for your benefit to do those things. And... We're almost done. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. In defense and sympathy of the Israelites, faithless cries, God was about to do a new thing that had never been done before in all of history. They had no idea what was coming. No precedent. There was no precedent for what he was about to do, and God had not yet told them what he was about to do. He had only said, this is all they knew, and this is all we need to know. He had only said, I will get glory over Pharaoh and his hosts. God's glory was the only plan that they knew. What does that mean for you and I? In times of uncertainty, are you living for God's glory alone? Do you believe he can do a new thing? We probably have Red Seas in our lives, even if we know Christ, right, if we're already covered in the blood, that we just don't know. But people of God when you recognize, when he reveals to you that the narrow path, that place of vulnerability, just as he led the Israelites into, is for his glory, you can encamp there. You can put down your roots in that, my life is for your glory. As one theologian said, I am the change in your pocket. You can spend me however you want, God, as long as you get the glory. And that's where he wants us to come to. Okay, lastly, when God fights for you, Exodus 14 We actually ran out of time, so we can't read it all. I'm sorry, guys. But it's Exodus 14, verses 13 through 31. But the summary is, when we do not give away to fear and we stand firm on God's word, he will work his complete salvation on our behalf. And what we saw happen, just to summarize it, since we're not going to read it all, is that God did bring a separation in that vulnerable place. And Pastor Ronald will talk more about the cloud, uh, the cloud, a pillar of fire that separated them all night long. God will protect you while he's working out his plan of salvation. Okay? So all night long, a heavy east wind split the seas. It said that they became walls of water on either side of them. I want you to imagine that. And you want to talk about a place of vulnerability? They thought they were vulnerable when they were just encamping. Man, that would freak me out, right? I mean, we have aquariums now, like shed aquarium with walls of glass, and you see the water and everything. But imagine that, but no glass. Yeah, just walk right through. Go ahead. I got you. So, <laughs> he will work his, but it's so that he can work his complete salvation. And one of the, the lines that stands out is, he says, for the Egypt, this is how he's encouraging them to go through the place of vulnerability by faith. He says, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Egyptians you see today chasing you down, you will never see them again. Are you going to have more battles in the future with different enemies? Yeah. But will God completely overthrow and get final victory over enemies as well? Yes, he will. 
And guess what happened? Did they ever confront the Egyptians again, if you know your Bible? No, it was done. They were done with that oppression in their life. There is freedom for you in Christ Jesus. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent, is how we ended it. And this is where we find our hope in Christ Jesus today. Because he did what you cannot do, what I cannot do, what you watching on the live stream cannot do for yourself. You cannot save yourself from the power of sin and death. It is impossible. It is a 100% success rate without God's intervention, meaning you will die. Right? You will die. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Some battles require our action as the Lord works through us. But other battles, he simply wins for us. And in those cases, our input is not an act of faith, but a fear that God is not faithful. The more impossible the circumstances, the more temptation we have to jump out of his hand. The more temptations, the more impossible the circumstance, the more temptation we have to jump out of his hand. And because there is no opportunity for you and I to save ourselves from the wrath of God to cleanse ourselves from sin, right, which is what will bring about the eternal separation from God. There's zero success rate. Nobody has ever done it. It is the most impossible of circumstances. All you can do is be silent and let the word fight for you. Let the Lord fight for you. And this is where the cross comes in. How does Exodus apply to me? Well, only slaves need freedom. Do you recognize that you are a slave? If you do not know Christ, you are a slave to sin. You can't deal with it. You may be able to push it down for a little bit, but eventually you will come back and say, wasn't it better for me to be a slave than to have freedom? You will. So Jesus said to the Jews, this is John 8, who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, Jesus, you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. Jesus is talking about heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son, capital S, Jesus, the son of God, sets you free, you will be free. Everybody say it with me. Indeed. Indeed, the more impossible the challenge the more complete the victory. And we will end with this. So worship team, please come up. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people old receive their commendation, Hebrews 11. And then a little later in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. Here we go. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. The cross of Christ is divine justice for the repentant sinner, and it is salvation apart from works assured by faith. Remember, there's nothing you can do except believe and receive. It is divine mercy into a life of unmerited favor. And you guys can play in the background if you want. For God's enemies, it is destruction and eternal separation assured as, the cling, as they cling to sin. The cross is the narrow path. So all that to say is, I want to talk to both, pray for both of you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you didn't know you were a slave to sin, well, it's being revealed today, right? 
If you do things you don't want to do and you have no power to break it, you're a slave to sin and you need Jesus. So I want to pray for you today. But if you're here today and you know Christ and you're in these impossible situations, I also want to pray for you that you won't give away to the fear that comes when the battle intensifies. After service, we have a sign right over here. We're here to pray with you. And so behind this big, there's a little nook right there. We want to, we want to pray for you. So let's pray, and then we'll go into a time of worship, thanking God for the impossible that he has done on the cross and saving sinners by his shed blood and broken body. Heavenly Father, we thank you for doing what only you could do. We thank you for your perfect heavenly wisdom that draws us into the places that actually reveal our great need for you and the impossible God that you are, that you bridge the sin of sinner and God through the cross of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for those who do not know you yet that want to know you, God. They want to know this powerful God who saves and delivers finally, with finality, with complete victory. God, I pray for those that already know you, that they've grown hopeless, that they've grown weary, and they don't have assurance of salvation, even though they, they, they believe. God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that every time the enemy throws an arrow at them, they will just see it as a greater assurance of their salvation because the battle is intensifying, which means the sea is going to split. And so, Lord, only you can do that, and we pray that you would. Lord, we pray that your word would ruminate in them right now and all throughout the week, Lord, that you would give them divine revelation and deeper and deeper understanding that if they place their trust in Jesus, how secure they are and how free they are. And Lord, for those who haven't, God, I pray that you would do what you did for the Egyptians, Lord, that you would continue to draw them into that place of decision, that valley of decision, Lord, where they either need to walk through the waters safely through faith in you, or Lord, that that fear of impending wrath on judgment day, Lord, would just keep pressing on them until they turn to you and receive the freedom that you have for them. So Lord, we just want to say thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.